This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. This Irish man stands with America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Hello, America. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This is the Freedom's Disciple podcast. I am your host, Jonathan Dunn. Of course, this is the show on the Blaze, exclusive to the Blaze Radio Network, where you come for the accent and you stay for the principles. I hope you were... I was going to say, I hope you had a nice, wonderful, relaxing week. Um, but I don't know about you, but if you watched any news, I don't think you would, you would have had a relaxing week. I don't think you would have had an enjoyable week. I think if you watched any of the news I watched or I listened to... Um, Nicest way I can put it, I think your head would have blown off. And we're going to cover a lot of the topics um, that was discussed this week. I've got a jam-packed show for you today, and I hope you will tune in and listen. And and just bear with me, because I'm going to say a few things that you mightn't have heard too much before. Um, I'm going to delve deep into principles as we do on this show. You know, this week's show was very hard to prep for. Um, Normally... I, I like to prep and I, and I go through all the topics and I, and I pick which ones I want to talk about. This week it was there's so much to talk about that I actually had to I have to leave a lot of stuff out. So I'm gonna but I'm gonna hit on the important stuff. I'm gonna hit on the really critical things that you need to know and and give them from a very unique perspective that maybe some people maybe you haven't heard or your friends haven't heard for just to go deep into principles. So where do we start? Well. I'm going to start you off on a sad note, because I don't know if you all heard this, um, this this week, but apparently the Statue of Liberty has been crying a lot this week. Yes. Apparently, if we... Now, I can't verify this because I'm not in New York, but apparently if one saw the Statue of Liberty this week, it was crying. There were, there were, there were actual tears running down the statue of, of Liberty's face. It was very, very sad. And in case you don't know what I'm talking about, and I'd ask you to bear with me because I'm very emotional today because, you know, I don't want to see the Statue of Liberty cry. You know, it, it, it's hard. It, 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 it's so sad. Of course, for those who don't know what I'm talking about, I, I have to take the word of Chucky Schumer. Because he released a statement this week on Donald Trump's executive order. Tears are running down the cheeks of the Statue of Liberty tonight. As a grand tradition of America welcoming immigrants that has existed since America was founded has been stumped upon. Taking in immigrants and refugees is not only humanitarian, but has also boosted our economy and created jobs decade after decade. This is one of the most backward and nasty executive orders that the president has issued. Tears are running down the cheek. Oh my God. And then of course, you know, because you you can't just, you have to back this up. Someone has to, you know, confirm what 
you know, Chucky Schumer has to say. And I can think of no one more fitting in this world to 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 back up the most least honorable member of the Senate than probably one of the most least honorable members in the House, Nancy Pelosi. Are you ready? Now get your tears, get your tissues, because there's going to be tears. As the Statue of Liberty holds her torch of welcome high, there are tears in her eyes as she sees how low this administration has stooped in its callousness towards mothers and children escaping war-torn Syria. This administration has mistakenly cruelty for strength and prejudice for strategy. Oh my god! Oh, I'm so sad! Oh please. Oh please, come on. Let's get a grip here. Let's get a serious head. Let's get a grip here, folks. This is the BS that the Democratic Party run and run about. The Statue of Liberty has tears in her eyes. Let me tell you, if the Statue of Liberty could have had tears in her eyes, she would have had it over the last eight years. If there was one subject that I can think of crying over, it, it's Chucky Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, Harry Reid, Paul Ryan, Mitch McConnell, John Boehner, running D.C. like it's some type of country club. Running D.C. where you trample over the people. If the Statue of Liberty could cry, I guarantee you, it would cry over the way your government treats its people. It would cry when you have, oh, the right honorable Bernie Sanders. You know, he ran for president, you know. Talking down to the American people, which we discussed last week. If the Statue of Liberty was going to cry, maybe it would cry because the Constitution and everything that made America exceptional has been trampled on, stood upon, ripped up, said, I don't need the Constitution, I have a pen and I have a phone. Maybe that will be something to work cry over. Or how about the treatment of black people in America today? Not by fellow Americans, but by politicians. Would that be something the Statue of Liberty might want to cry over? There are plenty of things if the Statue of Liberty could cry, it would cry over. But this isn't one of them things. But let's dig into the hysteria, shall we, folks? Because if you've been a long-time listener to this show, you know I'm not Donald Trump's biggest fan. And that's putting it mildly. And I have the scratches, the bruises, the cuts, the death threats, and the physical threats to prove it. But here's the thing. This show has never been and will never be about electing politicians or promoting politicians or defending politicians or anything of the sort. What I will do is continue to do what I have done. And I will stand for principles. Principles I have stood for for a very long time and I've spoken out about it every opportunity. So let's get past the rhetoric of the Statue of Liberty's crying tears and let's actually get into the substance. Before we just get into the Muslim ban, I do have one thing to say. I don't like the way Donald Trump has done this. I have been long outspoken about executive orders. I have been long outspoken about the power in the executive. This is not a Donald Trump thing, because in case you're going, oh, there's John going on his anti-Trump tirade. He can't even give, when the guy's right, he can't even give him a compliment. I'm going to get to that part in a minute. But fundamentals and how you do things still matter. We do not believe here 
like the left do, that the ends justify the means. You do not want an autocrat, a bureaucrat, or a, a dictator in the White House. You do not want to set up government by executive orders, by executive fiat, which we've spoken about at length under Barack Obama. You want to do things the right way and return to the constitutional basis where, I don't know, the legislative body legislates and creates law and the executive signs it. That would be the founder's view of things. But onto this ban. So, the media. All over the world, there's, been, there's media, Irish media, European media, English media, American media, all over the world. It's a, it's a Muslim ban. Oh my God, how can you do that? That's so wrong. There's been protests all over the world. There's been protests in America. There was even a protest in Ireland. There was a protest in England. There was a smaller one in Spain, I think. It's incredible. You ban Muslims. Oh my God. Donald Trump banning Muslims. Okay, first off, is it a Muslim ban? No. A ban kind of makes it out to be, I don't know, a ban forever. This is nothing more than a pause. It's 120 days, folks. It's 120 days. It's not even the length of a baseball season. That's how short this is. It's not even the Actually, it's probably the length of a football season. That's what it is. Start to finish. 120 days. Now you're going to hear a lot of facts and figures thrown about about how many, how many people, how many immigrants have been put in. There's a great article on um, National Review by David uh, French. And he gives the stats and he gives all the figures. And when you clearly look at the graph on National Review, um, you'll see it's gone up and down. But it, Donald Trump's figure of 50,000 is nowhere near good or bad. It's, it's about the average. You'll see the blip is Barack Obama. Um, that's, that's what you'll see. Is it a Muslim ban? Because that's what you'll hear. Absolutely not. I think if you walk down to the streets, and forget the protesters, and you talk to the average American, the average, and I'll go even further, the average Irish person, the average English person, the average European, who's not watching day-to-day -day media and is not caught up in the hysteria and said, hey, you know what? Do you think people potentially, just potentially, coming from Iraq could do us harm? Sure. There's bad people in Iraq. Okay. What about Syria? Sure, there's really, really bad people in Syria. They're, they're horrific people. Okay, what about Iran? Oh, the country that wants nukes and is getting them. And Oh, by the way, just, you know, I can't talk about this this week, but it will be addressed. They're defying the UN once again by uh, testing ballistic missiles. But don't worry, Iran is totally safe. It's nothing to worry about, folks. What about Libya? Yeah, they're not really good people. Um, there's some good in all these countries, but there's a risk of bad people. Somalia. Somalia, by any definition, let's go with the UN. The UN calls Somalia a failed state. Sudan, Yemen. Well, they're the countries that this executive order has affected. If this was a Muslim ban, and, you know, let's just play devil's advocate here. You're saying, okay, let's say John is in the White House. 
and you go, well, okay, I want to ban Muslims from entering, entering America. What do I do? Now, obviously, you can go for the, the easy ones, which people would agree with Iraq, Syria, Iran, Libya, Somalia, Sudan, and Yemen. But if you want to ban Muslims, I would start, you go with them, but look look at all the bigger countries. Of the 10 biggest, largest, most uh, Muslim country populations, only one of them is on that list. What about India? What about Pakistan? What about the UAE? And I will say this, what about Saudi Arabia? It's amazing to me, and it's only two weeks into the administration, two weeks in a day to be precise. But it's going to be very interesting to see what Donald Trump's opinion is on, on Saudi Arabia. Because we now have had two administrations in America where you were either, eh, they're okay, to they're an ally. Saudi Arabia is not an ally of America in any way, shape, or form. So it's not a Muslim ban. If you wanted to ban Muslims, you'd go for bigger, more populated areas that have a bigger track record of Muslim um, Muslim populations. But let's go on to the terror side of things. Because the world is living in this world where we all want to do the right thing. Even our liberal friends. It's not that they're ignorant, it's just that they know so much that isn't true. That's a famous Ronald Reagan line. Now when I say that, I don't mean Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi. They know what they're doing. In fact, there's lots of evidence. If you go online, you'll see it where you'll see Chuck Schumer... You know, in 2015, you know, that long, long, long time ago, 2015, it's almost 18 months ago when he said, you know, we need to look at our visas and we need to look at our, you know, vetting and we need to, you know, look at the passports and we need to just look into who's coming into our country. That was such a long time ago, all of 18 months ago. Nancy Pelosi knows exactly what she's doing. They're, this is what politicians do. Stir up a crowd, get people riled up. And use you to get power for themselves. Because here's the thing folks. The left know one thing. On the issues they can't get your support. They can only get your support by emotions. That's what status do. They're just responding to. Well clearly the war on women didn't exactly work. Because Hillary lost. So what else can we delve into. What else can we use as an emotion. To get you all riled up. So that you know one thing. You need me. You need me fighting for you. If it's a Trump executive order, whether it's targeting Muslims, whether you think it's some type of, you know, immoral action, you need me to fix it. You need me there to stand up. You need me on the front lines. You can't do it, but you need me. That's what the left always does. That's what the right does as well. Not the, not the Tea Party conservative right, but the alt-right and a lot of the Republicans. But getting back to this ban, because it's not a ban. When you think of all the terror that's happened in the last two, three years, not just in America, I'm not talking just about Fort Hood, I'm not talking about the Boston bombings, I'm not talking about the attacks in Garland, I'm talking about worldwide in Europe, closer to home for me, Paris, twice, Germany, 7-7 and London, Madrid bombings. You had that crazy, horrific attack on Christmas Eve in a German market. You know, I always love these people who go around the media and they say, well, you know, they throw all these different numbers. 
90% of Muslims are good. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then let's take your numbers. And let's just say your number is right. 90% of Muslims are good. That's the number that I've heard a lot this week. Or the vast majority. Okay. Let's not give them let's give them folks the benefit of the doubt. It's only five percent. Actually, let's even not give them the benefit of that. Let's go even more. Five percent. One percent of Muslims are bad. One percent of Muslims are bad. If you did nothing and you brought in the same amount of people that Obama brought in last year, which is roughly let's say seventy thousand people. That's 700 bad guys in America. At 1% have been bad. 1%. 700 bad guys in America. Or in Europe. This doesn't. This is not a, an America thing or this is not a Trump thing. This is a worldwide terror issue at the minute. 700 bad guys. When you look at all the terrorist attacks. Madrid bombings. The guy in Germany, the guy, the attacks on the beach in Nice last year. Literally, a guy got into a truck and just started driving down the street and just killing people. They don't need massive amounts of teams. You're not hiring an army. 700 people could do a lot of bad things. It's not like they're trying to plan. Now, I'm sure they are at different levels. I'm just saying on the ground level. Not, it's not as if you need 700 people to plan 9-11. Look at 9-11. Nearly 3,000 Americans died. For what, 23 people? That's all it took. At what point will we learn our lesson? That there are bad people out there who want to do us harm. Do us harm for many different reasons. Because here's the thing about Muslims. Muslims in many ways, it, and I mean the bad ones, the, the Islamists, not the, not the everyday Muslims like Zudi Jasser, my Blaze colleague. I mean, the really bad ones, they are the worst utopian statist that you can ever meet. Because if you don't agree with them 100%, they kill you. You know, that's the thing I, I'm always amazed that no one on the left ever gets. They'll kill you too. Oh, well, it's only it's only white people they hate. No, they'll kill anyone who's not a Muslim. Well, it's only straight people. No, they'll kill gays too. They'll, in fact, they'll kill the gays before they kill the straight people. Oh, well, they hate Christians. Yeah, they do, but they hate atheists as well. You know, they, they'll, they'll hate you even more than they'll hate me, potentially, for booing God. Oh, well, we're the Muslims' friends. We take down the Ten Commandments. Yeah. They'll hate you if you took down the Quran or parts of the Hadith if you ever put, if they ever put them up. They will destroy you, the Islamists will, if you don't compel, don't comply. That is the world we live in. Now, what is Donald Trump's action, right or wrong? Honestly, it's too it's too early to say. Because a ban for 120 days just to stop people entering is a good start. It's what he does now and what his administration does and what the State Department do over the next 90 days. 
Because vetting is not an easy thing. Especially in a country like Somalia. Let's just take Somalia for a second. You think Somalia is an easy state to get vetting on? You could be the best, most decent, honest Somalian person who just wants to escape the hellhole that is Somalia. It's not like they have some consistent, trusted register of all the details on you. You know, where you went to school, what grade you got, your birth cert. It's a failed state. This is not me saying this, this is the UN saying it. You think that's it's going to be easy to vet that person? Even if they are totally trustworthy and they just apply to do things the right way. That is going to be a very hard thing and it's going to be watch this space. But there is one thing that needs to be poured out. Because the Nancy Pelosi mentioned, you know, all the... Let me get the exact words. You know, it's callousness towards mother and children escaping war-torn Syria. It's horrible. Sorry, I can't read her without wanting to cry. I think it's just the way she is. There is a part of this executive order, if you actually read the order, where you'll see we will make exceptions. The State Department has the power to make exceptions. So, And certain cases will be on a case-by-case -case basis. So if you've helped the military overseas in one of those war-affected areas, you will have a chance to get it, to get in. That is the part of this executive order. Lastly, before I'm talking about this issue, I do have to find it amazing. I see all the, 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 the left and all the protests and all the marches and all the hate and all the stuff on social media at this 120-day ban on those countries, because it's a Muslim ban, you know. And there was absolutely nothing about Christians in the Middle East. The Obama administration, let me give you the stat. The Obama administration resettled 13,210 Syrian refugees since the beginning of 20, since the beginning of 2016. Of those, 13,100 are Muslims, 12,966 Sunnis, Sunnis, 24 Shia, and 110 other Muslims. And 77, 77 are Christians, and 24 were Yazidis. 77 Christians. Where was the marches to, for the Christians? I know where they were. I know who set them up, Glenn Beck. But where was the where was the outrage then? The problem is the left don't know, aren't ignorant. It's just they know so much that isn't true, folks. And we have to change that. And when we come back from this break, I'm gonna take it I'm gonna share some principles with you that you mightn't have heard before. Because I'm gonna take what he did. And give you the history behind it and where he has the basis or any president or any administration has the basis to import a ban, temporary or permanent. And I'm going to use myself as an example. 
because I don't see anybody on the left and right find, fighting for someone like me. I'll be right back, America. Don't go anywhere. You don't want to miss what I have to say. Freedom versus freebies. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. The progressive movement is full of lies. Why do Americans keep falling for the deception? In his new book, Liars, Glenn Beck reveals the simple answer, fear. At our most basic level, we're all afraid of something. And progressives exploit this by offering us solutions to our fears. Solutions based on lies and an unrelenting hunger for power and control. Understanding the roots of these lies is key to helping us stop the disease of progressivism. Liars by Glenn Beck. On sale now at glennbeck.com liars. Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on demand on the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. As always, I am on Twitter at Freedom Disciple, Facebook at Freedom's Disciple, or Irish John, or you can send me a friend request, Jonathan.dun58. I love engaging with you, I love discussing things with you, and I love, even when you tell me I'm wrong and we disagree, we have a, a good, honest back and forth. We don't always have to agree on things, we can agree to disagree. But I love interacting with you. I laid out the the segment in the in the last segment that this ban is not a Muslim ban. But what I want to do is I want to take you to a place that not, I haven't heard a lot of people take this argument recently, and I want to bring it back into principle and I want to bring it into history. Uh, what I want you to do is, and this is is going to be hard for you to do, but I want you to think like a big you know, like Alex Jones would say, a big globalist. I want you to think like a collective. Because I'm going to start, ca- I'm going to use the collective's argument against the hate towards this um, executive order. So if you're a collectivist and you're a globalist, you know, you believe in the one world government, you believe in the UN in some way, shape or form, and you believe what they say is true. And, and you will be promoting their actions. Well, what is the one of the oldest norms uh, of international law? And when I say norms, just in case you're not familiar with it, is is in the world there's norms, norms and values. And the norm is just everyone just does this thing. We all accept that it didn't need to be written into law because where I'm bringing you back, I'm bringing you back to 1648. So that's just, I'm just giving you a bit of historical context. And it was just a norm. You had certain powers, you had certain rights and responsibilities. Well, one of the oldest norms and international laws that the collective believes in, that the collective will talk about, is state sovereignty. Because it's international law. So what are the def- just some definitions for you? So what is a sovereign state? Well, in, in based by international law, it's a non-physical judicial entry that is represented by one centralized government that has sovereignty over a geographical area. It defines you as having a population, a permanent population, a defined territory, one government, and the capacity to enter into relations with other sovereign states. 
It is also understood that a sovereign state is neither dependent nor subject to any other power of state. So where did this state sovereignty come from? State sovereignty in many ways is effectively the right to control your own borders and what happens inside them. Once you meet that criteria, permanent population, a defined territory, one government, and the capacity to enter into relations with other sovereign states. Well, I'm going to bring you back to the Treaty of Westphalia in 1648. And Westphalia's sovereignty is a concept of the nation state, and it's based on a territorial and the absence of a role for external agents. And basically what it is, is it's where all these states came together and they made organizations. And they, had, they brought the, the Treaty of Westphalia together. And it was giving that respect to certain states. Now you've got to bear in mind, in 1648, the sovereignty, just to be fully upfront and honest with you, sovereignty was a term that was misused because back then the powers that be would, um, how should we say this nicely? would find reasons to not say you were a sovereign state, that you wouldn't get that, you know, you didn't have the right reputation, you didn't have the right, you know, credibility in the area, so you weren't actually a sovereign state. But when it came into the 1900s, you'll, if you've read European history, you'll have Woodrow Wilson and the League of Nations, which then later became the UN. The UN has a draft Draft declarations on the rights and duties of the states. I'm going to read it from you because you might find it very interesting because I always love using what they talk about and what they promote against them. Article 1 of this draft declaration on rights and duties of states. I am getting to a point and I hope you'll bear with me. Every state has the right to independence and hence hereby to exercise freely without the dictation by any other state all its legal powers including the choice of its own government article 2 every state has the right to exercise judicial ju uh, jurisdiction over its territory and all persons and things therein subject to the immunities recognized by international law Article 3. Every state has the duty to refrain from intervention in the internal or external affairs of other states. You're starting to see a pattern here, folks. Then there's other one. I'm going to skip down because it, it, it goes into a lot of other stuff that are not relevant to this argument. And Article 12. Every state has the right of individual or collective self-defense against an armed attack. That is the UN's draft declaration on rights and duties of states. So it says, Article 1, you have a right to be independent and to exercise freely without the dictation of any other state. You have the right to jur jurisdiction over your territory. And Article 12, you have the right to self-defense against an armed attack. Is there anyone in this world who, well actually sorry I shouldn't say that because lawyers today will argue absolutely anything. You'd toss a coin and heads or tails and they call head and it'd be a tail and they'd find a re reason to argue about it being unfair and unjust and immoral. 
but taking the average person, is there any person who you could say, Article 12, to every state has the right of an individual or collective self-defense against an armed attack, who would look at what's happening in Europe and, and in America and over the rest of the world, because there's different events going on in Australia. They made more arrests than, I think it was two weeks ago in Belgium. There was no attacks um, done, but it, it stopped attacks, thank God. Is there anyone who would say, you know what, let's just take a pause, not a ban, a 120-day pause, just let's just go. Is there any logical, free-thinking person that would say, couldn't make the argument for Article 12 that that's what Donald Trump is doing? But I want to take it in another different direction. Because state sovereignty is the right to control your borders and the right to rule your, for your people or over your people. Um, international law respects both and the UN prefers option 2 rule over your people I want to take it in a different direction and I want to make this very personal to you I want to talk about me for a second and I want to use me as an example not because I, I don't want to talk about me I'm boring um, do, you, do you know anyone else who likes reading the, the Treaty of Westphalia from 1648 That what reads the UN even though it makes my mind boggle, I'm very boring. But let's just take me for a second. State sovereignty. America has a right to control its borders. America has a right to decide who comes and who goes. Unless you've been living, if this is your very first show, welcome. You know I've been waiting a very long time to get into America. It's been my lifelong dream. In fact, this is my 13th year. I've got my fingers crossed that, you know, unlucky 13 for some is my lucky number. It would actually make sense the way my life has gone. But that's a story for another day. That is my hope. Now, my views are, how should we say this nice to the political class, are not very popular to the political class on either side. You think the Democrats want someone like me in America? <laughs> Can you see Chucky Schumer? You know, John got refused access to America. The Statue of Liberty is crying. I'm sure he'd be the he'd be the one person he'd, he'd meet me and go, that guy should never be allowed into America. But that's the Democrats, right? What do they know? You think Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan want me in in America? You think the Republican Party wants me in America? <laughs> you know, maybe I should change my views and just shut up for a while. My mother's always telling me, you know, shut up if you want to get into America. Eventually someone will find out who you are and stop you. But state sovereignty. If America tomorrow, these, this American government, and let's not put a person on it because I'm not, I don't want to, oh, you're, ba you're trumping, Trump bashing again, John. No, I'm talking in principle. If the American government tomorrow, whether it's Republican or Democrat, said, you know what, people like John, we don't want him. You know, the founders, they were just a bunch of slaveholders. They were just a bunch of racist slave owners with wooden teeth. And, and we really don't want people who know about the founders, because we're ashamed of them. We don't want anyone that knows that. Does the American government have the right to ban me? Absolutely. Does the American government have the right to say to me, I don't want you in my country, not to visit, not to work, and not to live? Sorry. You absolutely have that right. State sovereignty. 
Now, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to lie and say, well, if, if the American government did that to me, it would suck. It would really suck, especially if I couldn't visit. That would just absolutely suck. But you have that right as a government. How would I respond? Well, I wouldn't call for a march. I wouldn't attend any marches. I wouldn't want marches around the world. I would just say America has made its decision. It doesn't want people like me. And hope one day, you know, whether it is in two years, four years, six years, eight years, at some point your elections change, your people, your uh, your Congress and your president would change. And maybe then things might, they might be more friendly to people like me. You know, those people who love the founders or revere the founders. George Washington is a personal hero. Love the Constitution, speak about it all the time. But that's just me. That's I'm just one person. There's not a load of people like me. You know, it's not a ban. You know, that would only be banning one person than you, John. That wouldn't be banning a, a whole civilization. Okay, well, let's go one step further. Let's say the next administration gets into power, left or right, and says, Do you know what? I really hate Irish people. All Irish people are a bunch of unsophisticated, stupid drunks. And we don't need people who are drunks over in America. We need less beer, not more beer. And I'm doing an order that says no more Irish people. Again, state sovereignty says you have a right to let people in. Or not let them in. That is your right. That is why you elect officials. You elect a president to do this. You also elect a house and a, and a senate. You can dismiss people on any grounds you want. It might not be fair. But that is the right you have. You could say, I just don't like Irish people. Don't want any more of them. Never saw the fascination with Irish people. Again, would it suck? Absolutely. Would it be just? I could make an argument it's not. I don't want to, but I'm sure I could make an argument. I could make an argument for just about anything today. But let me go one step further. Let's say your government, the next government, this government, whatever government, said, you know what? The biggest threat we have as an economy is, is healthcare. And one of the biggest expenses we have in healthcare is obesity. We want no more overweight people, no more fat people in America. We have enough Americans who are fat, we don't need to import more fat people. Again, do you have that right? Absolutely. State sovereignty. You know, the UN says you have the right, Article 1, every state has the right to independence and hence. To exercise freely without dictation by any other state all its legal powers, including the choice of its own form of government. That's not my words. That's not some you know, freedom-loving person's words. That is the United Nations. You have a right to self-determination and the right to state sovereignty to control your borders. That's just me. They're ones that would affect me. Do I think they'd be right or fair? Probably not. Do you have a right to do that? Absolutely. 
Because here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen. The thing no one ever wants to say on people who share my views. Sometimes the results of freedom really suck. You know, we I see people who talk about freedom and they think it's this magic eight ball where it's all of a sudden, if you just follow this freedom path, everything works out great. It doesn't. Freedom sometimes sucks. But here's the thing. At least with freedom, you always have a fighting chance. Now, I just made up those examples about Irish people being drunks and fat people. Let's get more serious, because I was just taking to make a point. That is the right to state sovereignty. Let's bring this all the way back to Donald Trump in the first segment. Do you have a right to have a ban, or a 180-day, 120-day ban, sorry, not even 180-day, 120-day ban, the length of a football season, to stop people coming into your country? Absolutely. With all the terrorist attacks in the world going on, in America, in Europe, in England, the rest of the world, is it acceptable to say, for 120 days, we just want to go, <sighs> in fact, you know, I could make the arguments, you know, if I wanted to be a Trump basher and go, do you know what, maybe, do you know what maybe you should have done, Donald, is 120 day ban on everyone. Everyone, English person, Irish person, French person, Muslim, Christian, everyone. And what we want to do is we want to find our vetting system and make sure it's right. Because here's the one thing I will say, and I'd ask you to think about this, and this is not a slam. I know people who listen to me and don't like me because I don't like Trump, you will say, every word I say, it's like it's like a confrontation with them. I think one thing America needs to do is to not just look at a country, you know, the, the countries that we mentioned, Iran, Iraq, Syria, and expect the terrorists to come from there. You look at what's happening in Europe right now with open borders. A terrorist could come over and, and do some major damage from France, from England, from Italy, from Spain, from Portugal, from Germany, from Sweden. Terrorism is not just a, a little geographical area in the Middle East anymore. It's a worldwide problem. You look at some of the, the Muslims, the Islamists, to be used the right term, in England. They're horrific. They're horrible. And I said Islamists, not Muslims. I wish every Muslim was like my blaze colleague Zudi Jasser, a stand-up great guy. But you see them and they're just, they don't care, there's no respect, they want Sharia, they make no bones about it, they make people wear burqas, it's, it's horrific. In fact, you know, maybe a 120 day ban or a 180 day ban or even a year ban on everyone. Just say, no more. Whether you want to make it on the grounds of terrorism, whether you want to make it on the grounds of economics what do you want to make it on the grounds of you know what we just want to stop everyone coming in because what we want to do is we want no more immigration we have too much what we're going to do is this and here, here how about this for a plan we're going to stop all immigration into america we're going to build a wall it's going to be a beautiful wall going to be a beautiful wall big wall giant wall 10 foot tall whatever it is and then we're going to deal with illegal immigration 
And then when we've got those two things done, the wall is built, and we've decided whether it's a full amnesty or part amnesty or deportations of everyone, then and only then will we take new people in. And that might take 10 years. Again, for me, do I want to wait 10 more years to get into America? No. But America has that right. Because here is the fundamental thing. I spoke about this last week. You are not entitled to some man's labor. Whether you want to make this from a, a Christian and a Ten Commandments point of view, thou shalt not covet your neighbor's goods. Whether you want to make it a moral reason where I own something and I'm entitled to it and it's mine and you have no right to it. Whether that's my money, my property, my possessions. I am not entitled to be an American. I am not entitled to be an American citizen. There is nothing in my body, there is no argument that I can make, legally or morally or any other way, that says I have a right to be an American. I have none. Now, if you want, if I was like the left and, you know, as a victim and I came up with phony arguments, I could say, do you know what, you owe me America. Do you know how much work I've volunteered to help your country? How many, how many man hours I've done on this podcast? on my writings, on my speeches. I've gone over to your country at my expense to give speeches about your history. You owe me, America. Each and every one American owes me. No, you don't owe me a damn thing. I did that out of my own free choice. I did that as my service. And I will be doing it again and again and again, even if I never get over there. I am not entitled to any special treatment because of what I've done. I am entitled to nothing. This is the thing people seem to f struggle to get their head around. Would I love to be an American more than you? I, more than I can put into words. I would love to be an American. To my Irish friends over there, I said American, not Irish American. I would love to be an American citizen. I would love to have an American passport. I would love, at some point in my life, to be able to say, the history I talk about, I'm now an American. This is my history. Follow the way of America. I would love to be able to have some say and say, that's my history as an American citizen. And to take that pride in it. I would love to be able to do that. But I can't. And who knows, I might never be able to have that honor, that duty, that responsibility. But I will still say it's your history and share it with everyone. I'm entitled to absolutely nothing. I was born in Ireland. That's my burden of life, if you want to call it a burden. Now, does some people's situation suck overseas? Absolutely. I could make a very good argument why my situation sucks in Ireland. The economy, lack of opportunity, money, I could make a long list. I could sure there are many people who would listen in Cuba, would say the same thing in Venezuela, in Russia, in Iran, in the Middle East, in Yemen, in Somalia. I'm sure all these people can make their own argument. The bottom line is they are, like me, not entitled to anything. If you are lucky enough to get in, whether it's through a refugee, whether it's through asylum, whether it's through the green card lottery, whether it's through, um, you know, 
uh, getting a job and doing things legally that way, then it's your honor and it's your, you've been lucky. You are very fortunate to get into America. America is not to be taken for granted. America is a blessing each and every time you get into it. But just because you've got in there or you've done certain things does not make you entitled. I'm not and no one else is. That is the bottom line. That is the truth. That is the principle behind it. i got to take another quick break, America. Don't go anywhere. Because when I come back, I'm going to change gears slightly. I want to share an economic story with you that I promised you for last week, but we ran out of time because we had to address Bernie Sanders. Don't go anywhere, America. I'll be right back. You're listening to Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. Freedom versus freebies. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. As always, I just wanted to say my website is freedomsdisciple.com. I post the show notes there usually every Monday afterwards um, and any um, memes or articles that I link to or talk about in the show all the research and work will be there just to make it easier for you when you're going through the show and this show goes out live um, on the blaze every Saturday at 12 noon so you can listen Um, it's free to listen anytime share it with your friends if you have anyone liberal friends or a college student or anyone who you wants to know would like to hear a different opinion on America a view very much of your founders I'd really appreciate it if you'd share and any support you can give is would be great. You can listen on SoundCloud, iTunes or Google Play Music. So I want to share a story with you from um, a story over here. Some of you may know if you, if you follow sports, you might have heard of a, a soccer player called Cristiano Ronaldo. He used to play for Manchester United. He now plays for Real Madrid. And he is, I saw this article. And it was the life of Cristiano Ronaldo and his net worth. And I want to share just, I saw this as an example. And just when I'm reading stuff, I'm reading things. And in the back of my mind is always, how can I bring this to to you? Because it's a different story. But also to give you some principles, just to break down some basic economics or basic philosophy to you. So in case you don't know, Cristiano Ronaldo, it's estimated he's worth about $450 million. um, Dollars. So like the creme de la creme, he's like in the top 0.01% of of the world. Um, he's the highest played footballer in the world. He has a 15 million pound, which is about 22 million dollar contract after tax. After tax is the key one. Um, there's only one other footballer who can match his appeal and that's Lionel Messi. 
Um, he Ronaldo is the most endorsed footballer in the world. Um, he has the fourth most luxury deal with Nike. It's worth about 21 million a year. Um, he has a lifetime contract, which will basically pay him that amount of money forever, which is incredible. Um, he's only the third person ever to sign a lifetime deal with Nike, and that's after people who you'll know, LeBron James and Michael Jordan. He has his own clothing range, he has his shoes, he has um, what he says, CR7, um, it's a hotel project in four different cities, um, CR obviously for Cristiano Ronaldo, and he wears the number seven. In the last year, he's made about $88 million, and that's according to Forbes, which makes him the highest paid sports star in the world. There is a point to all this, so bear with me. He has a big one with, as I said, with Nike. He has Tag Heuer. He's got Herbalife, Castrol, Samsung, and KFC. Um, it's just incredible the amount of money he is is going to work. Like his Nike deal alone pays him over $20 million a year. And they reckon by the time he's 73 years old, he'll have reached a billion in revenue from Nike alone. A billion dollars. That just shows you how incredibly rich this guy is, right? So I saw this article. That's just a little bit of background. So, you know, if you're listening and you're from the left, all I need to say is you should hate this guy. He is, you know, the person you want to bring down. He's the man. Um, he's one of those millionaires and billionaires who actually is a millionaire. Not like, you know, in Barack Obama or Maryland standards where it's a millionaire is a quarter of a million or a hundred thousand dollars. He's actually a millionaire. A multi, 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 multi-time millionaire. So you should hate him. And they just did this article. I thought it was a nice article. Of the things he does with his money. What has he done recently? Well, he's a car enthusiast. And he has a $300,000 car. A Lamborghini Aventor. I'm not, a, I'm not too big on the big, big, big expensive cars. I have no idea. I'm guessing at $300,000 it's a really nice car. If it doesn't, there's something seriously wrong. Um, but he also has other cars. He's got a Bentley, he's got a Porsche, and he's got a Mercedes. You know, all the creme de la creme, those filthy rich cars. You know, you got to hate this guy, right? He has a villa in uh, La Finca, which is in Madrid, and it's worth $7.1 million. Inside the, the house, it's got, like, state-of-the-art technology. It's got sofas. It's even got an indoor swimming pool. Right, so you, right now, you know, you should be hating this guy. You should be going, I just want to hate that guy. I just, he's so unfair. My friends on the right will love this. He has an apartment in the Manhattan Trump Towers, and it's worth about $18.5 million. Um, he has a gorgeous, it is actually really cool. Um, if I ever had money, I'd, I, I'd love to stay in it because I'd say it'd be cool. He has a, a football-themed hotel in his hometown of Madeira, Portugal. It, the, some of the pictures I saw was just incredible. Um, he eats out at fancy restaurants. He goes to all the the big glamour. Um, he has I, I, this is astronomical. A Jacob and Co watch. Apparently that's worth like one hundred and sixty thousand dollars. You're getting all your hatred up for him. Um, he's a bit fame. That there is that just to to say that. Um, he has he went somewhere and he saw this wax statue of himself and he loved it so much he paid thirty one thousand dollars to get it. Um, and what he does now is he has a, he reportedly hired a hairstylist, 
and the hairstylist shows up once a month to the museum where he keeps it to make sure the hairstyle is current because he changes his hairstyle every so often. So he's a bit vain. Um, he wears all the good stuff, all the good clothes, all beautiful expensive suits, not cheap, not your run-of-the-mill um, Walmart, uh, you know, buck ninety-nine suits. These are run into the thousands. Um, he also is a fan of cryotherapy, um, which is basically where you put your body to temperature as to as low as minus two hundred and sixty-four degrees. Um, basically, it helps you recover and it heightens your awareness. And this isn't cheap. So why did I share all, share all this? If if I shared this uh, story with a lot of my liberal friends, they would just go, it's just so unfair. It's so unfair that he has all that money. And look, remember I shared the, the article I shared two weeks ago, three weeks ago from Oxfam? You know, income inequality, the top richest eight people have all the wealth as as 50% of the population. Remember that story? I'm sharing this story for a reason. Actually, for two reasons. The problem with our liberal friends and our friends on the on the right in the GOP today, it's not that they're ignorant. It really isn't. It's just they've been bought into propaganda and made feel like they can't articulate arguments about free market capitalism. And they've just accepted government as the solution. And, you know, at some point, you know, you got to have some progressive tax code. So I want to raise a few questions with this. One, why is he worth $450 million? He's worth $450 million because he is an incredibly gifted footballer and one of the best in the world, if not the best. So he's the best at what he does. He is very marketable. He, he by any stretch of the imagination, is a good-looking guy with a lovely smile and people just like him. And if you have... If Nike obviously are not paying him twenty million dollars a year for a lifetime, if people don't want to buy his stuff, so it's each and every one of us are saying, "Oh, that's a Cristiano Ronaldo, fill in the blank, towel, hat, jersey. I need to buy that." Us buying it is making them tell them is telling Nike that they really like this guy. Our actions are telling Nike to go invest in this guy. Other people have said the same. KFC, Herbalife, Samsung. They've obviously, they're not just giving him money. They're not just going to Cristiano Ronaldo because Cristiano Ronaldo's rich and going, Here, here's a load of money for nothing. They obviously see potential to get a return on their investments. He did that. Could you imagine if I walked up to Nike tomorrow and go, Hey, Nike, look at his body. Just breathe it in, man. Just, you know, you can have some of this. You know, Nike are just going to laugh at me. Now, I have to say, I, I think I could get something off KFC. Because, you know, if, if there wasn't such hatred towards fat people, I know KFC would be looking at me going, if I could get John, you know, finger licking, you know, some chicken, which is really good. I'm open to KFC sponsoring the show or anything. I like KFC. KFC's good. Some chicken, some biscuits, some gravy. What's not to like? Um, but, yeah, I, they're not going to pay me. I no, you know who who who's going to listen to watch me on KFC? I'd go, yeah, you got to get some of this chicken. It's some good chicken. I don't care. It's just another guy. I'm John. I'm just another Irish guy. Ronaldo does it. A lot of people influence behavior. We're been influenced. We're doing it. We're making him rich because he has a product or in this case a service, and we want that service. 
Nike wants that service. But now on to basic economics. Because you'll hear the left use all the arguments, oh, it's not fair. It's not fair. It's not fair that he drives a $300,000 Lamborghini. And he also has a Bentley and a Porsche and a Mercedes. We need to take some of that and redistribute it. Huh. Or, well, you know, the problem is he can have his Bentley and his Porsche and his Mercedes, but we just need a higher, we need a more progressive tax code. Just to take more money to redistribute I always laugh, and I don't laugh, I actually cry, at the economic ignorance of some people. Either they're economic ignorant or they're just lying to you. So I want to just take a few minutes and just think of all the jobs that his lifestyle, his really rich lifestyle, creates. Because here's the thing, I don't look at Ronaldo going, you're worth $450 million. I'm worth, at best if I'm lucky on a good month, I'm worth maybe $45. At best, if I'm lucky. I haven't had a full-time job in nearly five years because the economy stinks. I work hours as required contracts. I work, don't have fixed work. I hate you. You know, I should take some of your money and give it to me. I could do more good with it. Heck, I could even make the, the moral argument. Says, you know, if you just gave me a million of that, just think of all the charitable goods I could do if I was the left. I just want you to take a minute and just, let's just go through these one by one and just think of all the jobs and people he has helped and the economy. Because jobs are created by people purchasing things. So let's take his $300,000 Lamborghini. Oh my God, he has a $300 Lamborghini. What a waste of money. Shocking. Well, think of all the metal that goes around to make that frame. Think of all the jobs created for to create all the different parts of it the engine the sparks the exhaust the brakes the seats the steering wheel the 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 electricity the lights the leather on the seats the 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 paint on the car think of all those jobs created directly by that car now think of all the jobs indirectly created by that car because each and every one of those companies that the supplies a bit, whether it's the brake or the engine or the, the, the steering wheel or, or the leather or the, the, the foam that goes inside the leather to make the seats comfortable, each and every one of those companies indirectly creates jobs by two reasons. One, by they obviously need property. They need to pay rent. They need to buy insurance. They need to have light and heat. So indirectly, he's creating jobs in certain industries. But then also those and pe those companies that he buys that are parts of that Lamborghini, they also create jobs because brakes just don't make themselves. So the people who are making the brakes are getting jobs. And then they are getting their wages and then they're spending on their life, whether it's on their mortgage or their car or their insurance. That's just one Lamborghini. It's the same for a Bentley, a Porsche, or a Mercedes. You know, using the whole class warfare and the struggle, rich versus poor. What is so noble about someone who makes a brake pad for a Ford? And what is so horrible about that same person who makes the same brake for a Lamborghini? Because we're told to hate the person who has the Lamborghini and love the person who, ha who drives just the everyday Ford or the everyday Chevy. Yet they both create jobs in the same industry for the same people. 
Should we hate the person, I don't know, you know, the comfortable seat with the seat warmers? What makes the person who does the seat for the Chevy or the Ford so noble and the person who creates the seat for the Lamborghini so horrible? Again, it's not that our liberal friends are ignorant. It's just they've bought so much into a line that says being rich is not something to aspire for. I went Googling. I love to Google different things and things. I couldn't find it for a Lamborghini or a Bentley or a Porsche or a Mercedes, but I did find an article from Toyota that says, and I couldn't believe this, in each car there is 30,000 individual items. 30,000. That is all 30,000 individual items coming together. By him buying that Lamborghini, he has directly and indirectly created so many jobs. And I didn't go for the simple jobs, you know, like the, 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 the showroom, the salesperson who sold him the car and the commission he earned, the, 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 the rents to pay for the showroom floor, the light, the heat, the insurance, the service department, the service people, the mechanics, you know, the, 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 the valet people. All those jobs he helped create just because he bought a $300,000 car. But it doesn't stop there. You know, because if you listen to the left, they go, well, he has a $7.1 million villa in La Finca. He has an indoor swimming pool. It's in the, one of the most exclusive communities in Madrid. He has an $18.5 million apartment in Trump Towers. We hate him. He's horrible. He's a horrific human being. Well, again, let's just look at all the jobs he created. Someone had to build. It needed an architect. It needed a quantity of surveyor. It needed bricks and mortar. It needed wires for, electric for electricity, for Wi-Fi. He needed indoor plumbing. He needed water. It needed ground. It needed tiles. It needed paint. It needed doors. It needed windows. See all these they're jobs you're directly creating. And again, the indirect principle applies because each of those has to pay their salespeople, their, their fitters, their, um, their service people, their insurance, all these jobs by him paying $7.1 million for his villa, for his indoor swimming pool. It's directly and indirectly creating jobs. Same with his hotel in Madeira. It's the exact same thing. Same with his $160,000 Jacob & Co. watch. He is paying. He earned his money. Whether you think it's right or wrong, we can have a, an argument another day over whether you know sports stars are are overpaid. That is whether you like it or not. That is the market. That is supply and demand. There is a market for his services. And here's the thing. You know he shouldn't earn twenty million dollars a year to play football just to kick a football around the street. Oh my God! There are so many more people do more important jobs and don't get a paid one percent of that. Okay, here's the thing. Is there anyone around here who would say one thing? You know what? You're paying me too much. you got to pay me less. Is there anyone that you know who would have that conversation with their boss? If Glenn Beck came to me tomorrow and said, John, you know what? I'm listening to your show. I love it. Um, I'm going to help you grow your show. And here, I'm going to pay you 100 grand. I think you're the future of radio. Do you think I'm going to go, oh, no, Glenn, you can't pay me that. I'm, I've never had radio on, you know, terrestrial radio. 
radio experience. I've been on internet radio. I've been on the podcast. I've done many interviews. You can't pay me a hundred grand. I'm not worth that. Do you think anyone's going to have that conversation? No, I'm a schmuck, so I probably would, but that's just me. But, but no, but seriously, you know, there's anyone out there, you know, let's just, let's forget the people on the right who might have some morals. Look at the left, you know, race for 15. Is there anyone who's going, oh, no, I'm paid too much. You shouldn't pay me. I'm not worth that. They're going to take every penny that they can. We're not, why should, why is there one set of rules for, you know, the, the people on $15 an hour and people like Ronaldo? He's just like everyone else. He just wants to get what he think he's, thinks he's worth. Economics is not a system to, for a collective to, mindset to say, you know, we're just going to move the chess piece around and make things fair. It's about supply and demand. And it's about creating jobs. Even let's just do one more. Fancy restaurants. Well, he's eating out and he's, he's having a $100 caviar and $500 bo dollar bottles of champagne. And I've never had one of them. It's not fair. When he has money, you don't. But look at all the jobs. There are people who make that $500 champagne who are reliant on Cristiano Ronaldo and other rich people to buy it. Because here's the thing. If they don't buy it, they go out of business. Now, I know that's a concept which America and a lot of the world don't like anymore because they probably get a bailout and, and get loads of money and, and, be, and be public. Um, but that's just a different story. They need them to pay. Their livelihoods are dependent on Cristiano Ronaldo and others buying that $500 bottle of champagne. That is the world we live in. But even look at the basic restaurant. Oh, he eats out in fancy restaurants. Well, fancy restaurants serve the same as other restaurants. They all need the same products. They need salt and pepper. They need vegetables. They need meat. They need fish. They need to buy tables. They need to buy boots. They need to buy chair. They need to buy curtains. They need to buy tablecloths. They need to buy towels. They need to have bathrooms. They all need the same thing. Now, it might be different standards, but each and every one of those people who eat in that fancy restaurant, where it's $100 for a start or whatever it is, I've never eaten in a fancy restaurant, so I don't know pricing. It could be a lot more. It could be a lot less. Apologies if I'm offending anyone. But eating in that fancy restaurant, all the jobs you have indirectly created. And I haven't even mentioned the, the, the idea behind each and every one of these products. The owner. They saw an opportunity. They said, I'm going to create this fancy restaurant. We're going to do this Michelin star chef. We're going to be exclusive with these products. They did it for one reason and one reason only. The same reason everyone does what they do. To make a profit. What did they spend their money on? So the, that, owner who, uh, that owner who owns that fancy restaurant, what does he do with his money? Well, he might invest in opening another restaurant. He might decide, you know what, I want to get into the food catering business and open another business. He might need to put his kids through college. He might want to give his wife the best life she could ever have. And buy her nice fancy car, go on holidays. That is all creating jobs. Maybe he's just really savvy and says, I just want the best 401k. I want to have the best pension. And I want to invest it in the stock market and in bonds. That's creating jobs. Or just put it in the bank. That's creating jobs because banks get money. 
and whatever they have in their in their in their accounts and their in their asset account they can then borrow and lend out money to other people so that they can go get that business loan so they can go get a car loan so they can go get a mortgage that's help that's helping create jobs this idea this notion that says economics is all about the collective and we can just manage the chess pieces and we can tell you who to hate and who not to hate it isn't as simple as that because even eating, eating in that fancy restaurant, having that $300,000 car, that helped create jobs and a lot of other jobs. We need to share basic economic principles with our friends on the right, with our friends on the left, and everyone in between. Because economics is the subject, and especially the free market, is a subject that is based around historically the individual. But today it's taught in the minds of a collective. That we can just manage those chess pieces. I hope this has given you something to think about. Because here's the last thing. You know, we should hate Ronaldo. Oh, he earned it so much and he's worth 450 million. Oh, okay. If he didn't earn that much, he wouldn't have been able to spend and give $165,000 to a Portuguese cancer center. Or $83,000 $83, to fund a 10-year-old's brain surgery see it's not bad being rich it just gives you the power to do things if that's what you want to do it just gives you power to create jobs do different things create eating fancy restaurants and um, create your own uh, football team hotel but also to give a 10 year old a chance at life there's nothing bad about being rich and there's nothing noble about being poor maybe just maybe one day we'll all realize that and it's about the individual that counts i gotta take one last quick break america don't go anywhere i'll be right back this is freedom's disciple with jonathan dunn on the blaze radio network The progressive movement is full of lies. Why do Americans keep falling for the deception? In his new book, Liars, Glenn Beck reveals the simple answer, fear. At our most basic level, we're all afraid of something. And progressives exploit this by offering us solutions to our fears. Solutions based on lies and an unrelenting hunger for power and control. Understanding the roots of these lies is key to helping us stop the disease of progressivism. Liars by Glenn Beck. On sale now at glennbeck.com slash liars. is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn On Demand. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. Man, I don't know about you, but these shows just fly for me. I have so much to say every week, and then it's like, I don't know. It's There's an ongoing gag between, I think I've told you this before, but this is only supposed to be an hour-long show. I was given an hour-long show by the Blaze, and it never is an hour, and I apologize for that. I do try and make it as informative as possible and give you plenty to think about. Before we finish up today, I just want to hit a couple of small points on on the head. Um, obviously, Donald Trump made a, a pick for the Supreme Court this week, and a lot of people are happy with it. Honestly, I haven't done enough research on it. I've kind of removed myself from everyday politics, and six years ago, I would have been the person to go, and you got to pick this guy or this guy or this guy, and 
any I'm just not that person anymore. I'm I'm trying to work on principles. Um but from what I've the bits I have heard, it seems like a pretty solid pick. Um but that's only bits I've heard. My aim is not to get involved in your politics. I honestly don't care. I want to get involved in the principles. I believe in a set of principles, whether you like them or not. And I work hard every day with this show, with other work I do. Um, I am the... What's my title? I have a fancy corporate America title in another company I'm involved in. I'm basically the head of radio for a company called Lanterns. And I uh, am looking for the next and brightest radio talent and trying to put people on the air and give people a, a voice and um, because I, I want to help people get involved in the movement i don't care who you voted for in the last election you know i guess i get told all this there's a conspiracy theory running around circles involved in um that basically i don't like trump people and i don't and i'm trying to get rid of every trump person and um, which is comical because i just hired another donald trump supporter and voter um, for radio this week. Um, I want to be involved in a movement that helps promote your values. Um, the principles I work hard to promote each and every day, they don't have feelings. They don't need the acceptance of a politician or a political party or even the mainstream people. Principles are just that. My principles are eternal. They were true yesterday. They were true five years ago. They were true even though I wasn't born. 100 years ago or 200 years ago. I work hard to promote principles on this show and with everything I do on the foundation of a rock and that will survive the test of time. They are my faith, the constitution, free market economics, the individual freedom. I see many falling for the, the pitfalls of man's law because it, it suits them now. It works in the short term. And they're not proven. And they're built on sand. And when the storms and the winds come, they will blow away. Everything I do is to promote those principles. I'm never here to, if you ever listen to my show, if you listen every week or you only listen to a few shows here and there, I'm not here to tell you what you should think. I'm not here to get you to see things my way or to act a certain way. I'm here to make the arguments for your principles, not mine. I'm here to give you the history on a lot of subjects, like I did in the second segment, going all the way back to 1648. I'm here to share that history with you. And then all I ever ask is not that you share my opinion or not that you disagree with my opinion, but this, that you will think and find your own opinion. With that being said, there are certain things I am going to be working hard on, and I just want to address something. It's, it's a couple of weeks old now. But it needs to be addressed. It's actually about a week and a half old. There's this report that came out. <gasps> Another report. Oh, it's not good news for America. Oh, see, it's always amazing. Everything's fine when the left are in power. And then all of a sudden, the right gets some power. And it's the end of the world. So I get to your safe space now, ladies and gentlemen, because I'm going to break some very bad news to you. The U.S., America. You're no longer considered a full democracy. Oh my God. Where's them tears? I think the Statue of Liberty's crying again. Can I get a press release from Nancy Pelosi? We're not considered a full democracy, so I think the Statue of Liberty's crying again. 
Oh, look, Chuck Schumer just tweeted, the Statue of Liberty's crying. He's that's official. He's from New York. He'd know. If you hadn't seen this report, there's this democracy index. And America has been downgraded from a full democracy to a flawed democracy. I always love when I hear these type of words, because I, I think of democracy, and I think, is there any other kind bar flawed democracy? Um, it basically cites declining trust in the government as the new cause of its rating. <laughs> um, okay, who, who in the world trusts their government? Like, on, on a serious note, Irish people don't trust the government. They think the government stinks. English people don't trust the government. They look at Theresa May and Jeremy Corbyn and they just go, oh my God. French people go, how the hell did Hollande get elected? German people are going, ah, Merkel, she's still there, huh? If you trust your government, if uh, yeah, actually, let's not make this political. If you blindly trust anyone in this world, with the exception of maybe your parents and your partner, I, I would say you got... You got you got to just have a good long look inside you and take some time out. Um, basically, this report went on and said, President Trump harassed the low trust of the government to win the presidency. The new report, however, oh, this is nice, this is nice. The new report, however, doesn't blame the entire, the new rating entirely on Trump. No, it has absolutely nothing to do with Trump. Maybe it has something to do with the left running one of the most corrupt, horrible, horrific candidates in recent history. Um, but it continues. The U.S. has been teetering on the brink of becoming a flawed democracy for years. <gasps> for years? Really? Under the first black president? <gasps> oh, my God. But don't get worried, because the wor it comes back. Because it's always the right's fault. It cites the declining. It cites the decline started with what? The Vietnam War. <laughs> The Vietnam War, the Civil Rights Movement, the assassination of MLK and Robert Kennedy Jr. And, of course, you know, let's throw in that last dig at the right, the Watergate scandal. Ladies and gentlemen, there's one thing I need you to know. This report is actually the best news I've ever heard for America. When a government body or the in, in agency says America is no longer a full democracy. I hope that's true, and I hope you start turning back. I hope you continued on the path of being a flawed democracy. Because that's all democracy is. You are not a democracy you never have been, and God willing, you never will be. You are a republic. As Ben Franklin said as he left Philadelphia, and a young lady asked him, Sir, sir, what have you given us? A republic, ma'am. If you can keep it. America is not a democracy. Democracy is not something to aspire to. Democracy is nothing more. Than the populist movement winning. My rights come from God. They don't come because 50% plus one person. Said so. Or because my government said so. And my rights don't go away. Just because the opposition is in power. My rights come from God. Your rights come from God. And you have a constitution to protect them. One of the things we need to do, I believe, is to turn the tide on this. And to educate our brothers and sisters who think America is a democracy. 
who think democracy is a good thing. Democracy, to quote your last president, you can put lipstick on a pig, it's still a pig. And democracy is one of the biggest pigs of all. I hope you've enjoyed today's show. I can't wait till next week because I've got a lot I already want to discuss with you. And I've only finished recording this show. If you have any topics you want me to discuss, send them to me. Send me a tweet, Freedom Disciple. Send me a message on Facebook, either at Freedom, Freedom's Disciple or Jonathan.Dunn58. I do love engaging with you. If I am slow on a re- replying, um, I apologize. It's just weeks get crazy with all the other stuff I do. But I always reply. I love inter- interacting with you. And as always, we finish today's show the way we finish the show every time, day, every week. We salute the heroes in society. Because this society says there are no heroes, and I respectfully disagree. They are the men and women who put it all on the line 24-7. We salute your police, your firefighters, your emergency personnel, and your vets. Your v- wonderful, wonderful vets who are overseas in so many countries right now standing for freedom been selfless, been humble and putting it all on the line so each and every one of us can have freedom and lastly if you hear nothing else from this show just remember one thing, the most important thing America is great because Americans are good not who's in the White House, not who has Congress, not who's on the Supreme Court you are great because Americans are good until next, next week America at 12 noon Eastern Have a wonderful and blessed week. God bless each and every one of you. And God bless America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. 